you'll find that fifth chapter, we're going to go pick up right where we left off last week, and I want to talk to you about an incredible subject, what do you do when you're waiting on God? I think the first two words are going to grab you this morning from this passage, and then you're going to say, oh, this is for me. Go find James, the fifth chapter, and we will start in the seventh verse, and let's read it together. Take a look at this. Therefore, be patient. <laughs> Am I talking to you already? Therefore, be patient. I'm going to say it again. Therefore, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren. That's again, he's talking to brothers and sisters. That's a Greek word just meaning both of us, all of us together. Brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So don't grumble, don't complain. The judge is standing at the door. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we also count them blessed who endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and let your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. He said, therefore, be patient. That's the verse we're going to be looking at today. Be patient. I want to talk to you about what do you do when you're waiting on God, when things are not moving. And just because God hasn't done it doesn't mean he's going to not do it and he's going to come through. So to all of you who feel a little frustrated or impatient or you feel like there's a lot of chaos or a lot of unexplainable problems that don't seem to move, I think this is going to speak directly uh, to you and to your life today. I hope that you'll just open up your heart and say, God, speak to me because he can really help you with this. This is one of the most helpful, encouraging passages in Scripture. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, please speak to us on this subject that I'm sure is going to hit all of us today. Help us to be patient and give us that gift, that fruit of your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you do something in us that just the hearing of the word won't do, but you'll give us the gift of faith today to believe in Jesus' name. Amen. What is it that drives you crazy and what is it that tests your patience more than anything else? Uh, for some of you, it is just construction traffic on every road in this, in this city construction traffic, or maybe it's waiting in long lines, or maybe it's having to spend inordinate amounts of time with family, or maybe it's just going to the airport and going through security anytime you have to wait in a long line. Or maybe, how about when things don't go the way that you planned them to go? And obviously, with more planning, the more frustrating it becomes when things don't go the way that you planned. I watch my neighbors get ready for a trip to Cabo, Mexico for their vacation, and the most interesting thing, at 9 a.m., um, Saturday morning, they were driving back up the driveway, unloading their bags back into the house. My neighbor comes over to me and tells me what happened. They went all, they got up at four o'clock in the morning, got to the airport for an early flight to Mexico, got through check-in, checked their bags, went to the security line, and they didn't have, well, they had these uh, passport cards, I guess you've heard about these. It's a passport card, which means you can go to Mexico by boat or by car, but not by plane. And so they had these passport cards from the government for their little children, but they didn't have any other ID, and they stopped them right there. They, 
They could not go through. They couldn't pass. They called. They tried. They did everything. In the end of the day, I'm sorry, these passport cards issued by the government are not good for you. If you were driving to Mexico or, or taking a boat, it'd be okay. But you can't fly to Mexico today with these cards. And their vacation was over, and they had to drive back to the house. So I felt so bad. I've watched them unpack their bags. Talk about trying your patience. Talk about frustration. Now, they were doing amazing. They, didn't, they weren't complaining, but I could see it in their eyes. I kept checking them all day long. Uh, I would go out in the backyard. At one point, they were standing around the sandbox eating Moe's, which is about as close to a Mexican vacation <laughs> as I guess they were going to have yesterday. But... Um, they ended up going to Florida, but I could just see it on their face. Talk about trying your patience. Have your, has your patience ever been tried like that where you just think, I'm about to lose my mind. I'm going to lose control because things are not going the way that I want them to go. Well, James is going to talk about this. He talks about patience uh, six times in these five verses, and I just want to unpack this just a verse at a time and lead us through it. The first thing he says is, therefore, my brothers and sisters. Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, it's, you have to ask the question, well, what is that there for? And you always look back to the verses in front because it's, conne it's a connecting word. So, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, well, what happened just before? Well, just to remind you, last week he spoke so strongly to people who say, who, who are blessed and who have been given so much from God and they don't even realize it and they're living lives for themselves. In other words, they have their own agenda. They have their own pursuits. The problem with that is that in a sense, when you're just living for yourself in the end of the day, you're playing God with your life. You think that your plans are all that matter, that your agenda is your goals, and somewhere along the way, that's going to smack into the reality of life doesn't go the way that you want it to go. Life doesn't work the way that you want. And so he's saying to the people who are self-absorbed and who are caught up in all of their own living, he says, listen, if you want to see God, which is James's whole point, this whole series is about growing deeper and realizing there is a vision for life that is greater than just you and greater than just me, that there is a picture of the kingdom and the body of Christ and a we and not just a me. And he's saying, listen, if you want to find God's purpose and his plan for your life and you don't want to be one of those self-absorbed, life's all about me kind of people, you're going to need a quality because you're going to find out that life does not go the way that you think a lot. In fact, he gives three illustrations to talk about patience. He says this. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be patient. Be patient because the coming of the Lord is at hand or until the coming of the Lord. In two ways, that speaks to me. In, in one simple way, he's saying, be patient until God shows up and takes control of the situation. You be patient, and that's for anybody at all time. But in a prophetic way, James again is speaking, you better be patient and keep in mind that one day the Lord is coming back. Live your life in light of the idea that one day Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth. That it's not just about what you see and about this life and about this world, that there is an eternity and Christ is going to return again. And so he's saying there's a, there's a sense in which, if you understand what I'm saying, be patient until God shows up in your situation, and in another way, he's saying be patient until Jesus actually shows up in the situation. Let's just take the first meeting. I'll come back to the second one later. He uses three illustrations to talk about why you're going to have to have this quality of patience, because if you're going to start following God, he is going to have different, a, a different agenda than you. 
He's going to have different plans. In fact, there's going to be different purposes for everything than just what you see. And so he says, um, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to understand what I'm doing, take a look at this farmer. He says, look how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it, until he, it receives the early and the latter rain. Be patient like that farmer. So what he's saying is, is don't think you're going to go into farming unless you're a patient person. Don't be a farmer unless you have patience because everything pretty much in a farmer's existence is out of control. It is not in his control at all. He can't control the weather. He can't control the rain. He can't control whether that seed germinates. He really can't control uh, the price of fuel. He can't control the cost of equipment or fertilizer or all these different things. He has to wait a lot. And so he says, if you're going to go through life as a follower of mine, get used to waiting. And he really speaks to the issue that's really at the heart of our, of our lives, which is um, get used to being patient in uncontrollable circumstances. That's the first thing that that speaks to me. You want to write that down, maybe, that God is going to show up in uncontrollable circumstances. The farmer's life is uncontrollable. God is going to teach you patience through those uncontrollable circumstances. Then he illustrates the needs for patience by the means of some other group. And he says, the prophets, look what he says. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. What's the duty of a prophet? The prophet is called to tell people to change their life, to turn your life from the way you're going and turn back to God. So he's calling people to change. He's saying, look, come back to God, repent, turn away from the way that you're living, and people resisted that. I mean, people did not listen to those prophets in the Old Testament. So God says, look at them as an example of patience and all the suffering and the resistance and the hardship. They understood something, that my job is to do what God tells me to do, but that the changing of a heart is, is God's business. And so the first illustration was about uncontrollable circumstances. This illustration is about unchangeable people. Have you figured out by now that people do not like to change? That you want people to change and you say things to them. You give them advice and they don't want to take your advice. They don't want to listen. They don't want to change. People are really, really unchangeable. How difficult is it to live with people that only see their way and only want to do it their way? What if they never change? What if, who is it right now that's driving you crazy and they will not change? And what if they don't? God's saying, you're going to need some patience for that because I'm in control and I'm doing something in the uncontrollable circumstance with unchangeable people, but you're going to need some patience to see what I'm going to do. And then he gives the third illustration. He gives a farmer, he gives the prophets, and he talks to us about Job. You remember Job. Job uh, was, was incredibly patient. Look what it says. You've heard of the perseverance or the patience of Job. So we're watching these Olympics right now, and we see all of these athletes who have persevered and disciplined their bodies and made it to the top of their uh, competitive sport. They have persevered, and hopefully some will persevere even to get the gold. Well, Job persevered and got the gold medal in suffering. He's at the top when it comes to suffering. Job had life uh, by the tail. He was the, one of the wealthiest, most successful, most blessed people in the whole earth. And in one two-day period, he loses everything. Thieves and robbers steal all of his wealth, and he goes bankrupt. His children are all murdered. 
And on top of that, he contracts a, a deadly, incurable, painful skin disease. His friends reject him. Everything is going from bad to worse. He's just miserable. And for 37 chapters through the book of Job, he has no answers. It is just un, one unexplainable problem after the other. In fact, at some point, his wife comes along to him and just says, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? How's that for love and support when you're going through a tough time? God takes everything from him except his nagging wife. That's the only thing that, that he's left with. And so, you know, what do you do when life is uncontrollable? You have uncontrollable circumstances and unchangeable people and unexplainable problems. Now, now God's saying, you're going to have those in your life. Nobody is exempt from any of those three things. You're going to have uncontrollable circumstances, and you're going to be wanting to power up, and it's just going to be impossible, and people who don't change and who won't listen, and problems that, what is going on? God says, you're going to need some patience for that, because this, after all, really is not a patience issue. This is a faith issue. This is about whether or not you believe that God is in control or not. That's why he says in verse 8, he says, establish your hearts. You be patient. And notice what he says. He says, establish your heart, which is really key to this whole idea. Patience is a faith issue. Establish in your heart that God is in control and that he's working things out. Now, that is the faith issue. And here's the thing. You can't ask for patience. You can't pray for patience, really. I mean, if you're praying for patience, you know what you're praying for? Uncontrollable problems, uh, unchangeable people, and uh, unexplainable problems. Do you want any of those? You got them already. You don't need to pray for that. It's going to come. You get that. But what you can do is you can pray, God, increase my faith. And then God will give you a supernatural gift. There's a fruit of the Spirit called patience, a mark of a faithful, Spirit-filled life that patience gets deposited in you. And so the real question in here is, will you just establish your heart on something outside of you? It's really speaking to who's really God. Is it your plan, your way, everything going the way you think? Or can you back up and say, wait a second, I will establish my heart that there is a God and he's bigger than me. He knows what he's doing. And he is in control, and he's working it out for my good. Now, if we can do that, God begins to do something in us. He starts to speak to our anxiety, which is really at the root of impatience, right? Right? Impatience is all about freaking out and anxiety and what's going to happen and the wild case scenarios that go on in our heart, like what if this happens? And, what if, ah! and we get freaked out and we grab hold and we try to control it all. And worry is just trying to control the uncontrollable, which is dumb. Worry is just trying to control everything, and there's an anxiety that's going on in our heart. And here's the thing. God is in control. And so there's a sense here where he says to you, hey, when you feel that life is out of control, when you feel that people are unchangeable, when he says you, you can't explain your problems, you can try to beat your head against the wall, or you can step back, take a deep breath, and go, there is a God, and he's not me, but he's in control. 
Faith or patience comes from the faith issue of God being in control. Now, three times in this passage, he says this to remind the reader, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Why does he say this? Because Jesus ultimately is coming back. In the the big prophetic picture, this is the ultimate God is in control statement that everything that you see, when you're mad about the government, when you're upset about this, when you think the world is going crazy, when you think that things are out of control, when you fear for the weather, whatever it is that your heart is anxious about, he reminds us, wait a second, Jesus is coming back. There's an end that's coming that God has full control over all this. Now, here's the thing. I I wasn't going to say this, but it just occurred to me that some of you get very anxious when I even say that, that Jesus is coming back and it brings fear to your heart. What does that mean? The end is coming. Listen, if you're a servant of Jesus, you will never fear that. If you're a servant of Jesus, you will long for his return. It's only people who are really not following Jesus that are scared because that feels out of control. Like, he's going to come. If you're a servant of Jesus, you will never be scared of that book of Revelation. You'll never be scared of wanting to know. And you'll anticipate his return. You'll want to see his face. You'll you'll, You'll have this desire to see him. So he says... Be not, uh, you know, discouraged or, 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 be, or, or be all freaked out by these things. Jesus is coming back. Though a situation may be out of your control or may the world may seem out of control, ultimately history is his story. He is bringing it to his determined end. You know, so once you start to realize that and you start to establish your heart on the facts, there is a God, he's in control, he's coming again, and not only coming again, but he's going to show up in my circumstances. Though they are unexplainable or uncontrollable or people won't change, there is a God who can do something. That's faith. And when faith begins to rise up, he gives us some warnings because opposing faith are some words that come out of our mouth. He talks about grumbling and he talks about swearing. (laughs) And this is where he starts to meddle with our world, right? He says this, don't grumble against one another, brethren. When things don't go your way, when things aren't going the way you want, when you're impatient, stop grumbling and complaining and gossiping and slandering and figuring out who to throw under the bus and who who did wrong and why are they doing this so that I ended up in this situation. He's going, stop that. That's that's useless. That's not going to get you anywhere. You're going to be right back where you started after all of that. And he says, don't swear and curse and get your, you know, completely flip out and lose control. These are the two temptations that we have when we get impatient, aren't they? I mean, let's be real. When, when you're completely impatient, it's you want to blame somebody or we want to just lose control of our mouth and say all kinds of things that we shouldn't be saying. You see, the, he says this, lest you be condemned and lest you be judged about these two things. And again, he's talking immediate and prophetic. He's saying, you'll sow sow something with your mouth, you're going to reap it. You're going to be condemned by people. You want to curse out to people, you'll bring cursings back on yourself. Retaliation is the fruit of impatience. But patience, right, is not retaliation. Patience is restraint. He's saying the godly way is restraint. Stop grumbling and complaining and flipping out and, 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 and one day you're going to stand before God the judge anyway who's going to reap or who's going to judge everything that you said. So be patient. Be controlled. Don't flip out like that. Don't let your words just go loose. I mean, think about one irresponsible word. And you know what? It's not just about verbal anymore. I mean, it's just the day we live in. This isn't about just the words we say. It's the stuff we tweet, the stuff we post. One irresponsible tweet, one out-of-control, thoughtless tweet, one rant on the internet 
and it's with you for the rest of your life. Think about this athlete that, I don't know if you heard about this, from Greece, and one irresponsible tweet. Think about this, eight years of preparation for the Olympics, eight years of training, coaches, resources, everybody believing in this girl, and she gets there and makes this one irresponsible tweet, and because of what she says, they pull her off the team. Opportunity gone. Gone. Why, why, why were you sent home? Well, I said something I shouldn't have said. You see, impatience, impatience, thoughtlessness. Don't act like everybody else under pressure. I think this is what James is saying. Everybody else is going to be this way, but you are the people of God. You are supposed to be different. You're supposed to reflect something. When things don't go your way, don't take it out on the people who are closest to you. All that displaced anger, you know, when the swearing goes on and, you know, the gossip and the beat, you know, all that negativity. He's saying, look, there is a better way. Why don't you bypass all of that and establish your heart on who's really in control of this situation? Is it out of control? I mean, if there's a God and he's here, how, how, how do things really look? And if there was a God and he was here right now, what would he say? What would be the words that would proceed out of his mouth? What, what would he be like? What peace would he bring into the situation? You see, God blesses people who know how to endure. That's what he said, verse 11. He blessed those that endured. You've heard about the perseverance of Job. Well, look at the intended end that came to him by the Lord. In the end, God proved that he was merciful and compassionate. You see, Job never heard... Uh, all of why all this bad stuff happened. He, he never knew that one day Satan came to God and said, you know, this guy Job, the only reason he follows you is because you've blessed him so much. And God says, look at my servant Job. There's nobody like him. Go ahead, test him, do whatever you want. I know he won't curse me. And so, he, so Satan went and did all this stuff. And God protected him. And in the end, even though Job didn't understand all those unexplainable problems, in the end, God blessed him double what had been taken away from him. God blessed him more in the second half of his life than the first half of his life. God proved out to be merciful. He proved out to be compassionate, that he never let him go, and he will do the same for you. You've got to anchor your heart in something else. The word patience in this passage is really simply the, word, uh, the Greek word makrothumos, which is macro, which is long, and thumos, which is where we get the word heat from or thermometer. And he's saying, you know, to be patient is really to be one who has a slow fuse, someone who is slow to get hot and slow to get angry and quick to listen. God is in control. Patience is faith. Patience is, is not allowing yourself to go down those wild uh, case scenarios and coming back and anchoring your heart. There is a God who's in control. That's evident to all. And here's the thing about it. When you begin to see a patient person, you begin to see God at work in this world today. Everybody's impatient and everybody's in a hurry and everybody's out of control. Everybody's fearful and anxious. When you see a patient person or you become that way, you become a powerful witness for Jesus in the world. This is what the Apostle Paul was writing about to the Thessalonian church when he says, you saw the way that we lived and, and you even imitated our lives. Look what he said. In imitating us, you were just imitating the master. You, you saw in us what it would be like if, if he was walking around when, when he said peace to every storm. And look what he says, although great trouble accompanied us as we were proclaiming the word, which is just what happens in life, there will be trouble, it will come. He says, you were able to take great joy in the Holy Spirit, taking the trouble with the joy and joy with the trouble. 
Having patience does not mean that you won't have the trouble. It just means that you choose to be able, uh, you, you have this incredible gift that comes from the Holy Spirit, which allows you to make a choice, to be patient. This is the power of patience. I think that patience comes to you when you exercise faith. You establish in your heart that even though you can't see God, that he is with you. See, sometimes when you're waiting on God, you're trying to wait for him to show up. I think a lot of times he's waiting on you and on me. How does faith actually act? The Bible says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. So back to this farmer. What if God actually showed up and gave him the rain he was praying for? What's he doing all that time while he's waiting for rain? Is he just sitting in the house doing nothing? Or is there some preparation? Is there work still to be done? Some of you have waited for a long time for God to answer whatever particular prayer. The person's been unchangeable for a long time. The situation has been uncontrollable for a long time. Problems, unexplainable. Faith is believing that God is in control. So how does a person act by faith if they know that God's going to come through in the end? There's this idea that patience and persistence go together, that if you're really confident that God is going to act, then you're going to act and persist like a person who knows that God is in control. And God is going to show up. He's going to bless your life. But sometimes he goes, I've been trying to bless you, but you're not preparing for the blessing I want to give you. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, faith comes, uh, uh, um, he that comes to God must first believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek after him. And if you start to seek after him and seek after God and say, God, I'm trusting you for the answer. I'm not going to gossip and complain. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to prepare for what you're going to, to do. And you say, well, Darren, how do I do that? You anchor your heart. You, you, uh, you anchor your heart in the word of God. And you think of all of the scriptures that God has given to us. Like, I'll wait confidently in the Lord. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And no one who waits for the Lord will ever be disappointed. Or uh, I will wait expectantly, trusting God to help me. You can just go through scripture after scripture that reinforces that God is going to hear your prayer and he's going to answer. So the person who believes that God is going to show up just keeps on praying. Lord, I believe you're going to show up. It's me again. I'm praying. I'm trusting you. And the person who does that is going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's going to receive the gift of patience. Now, let me just wrap this up with some illustrations from the Bible of people who did this. You know that woman who was bleeding and she was dying and she was for years and years. And she'd been so discouraged by the fact that no doctor could ever help her. Well, one day she saw Jesus passing by and she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And in the original Greek, it's that idea of it's, just, it's not just a one-time statement. She kept saying that over and over again. If I could just touch his garment, if I could just touch his garment, I'll be made whole. And she persisted and she pushed through that crowd. What if she had stopped after two or three people and didn't push her way through and trust that God was going to uh, answer her prayer? Her persistence, in her persistence and in her patience that God was going to act, God met her God met her need. Or the children of Israel, when they were walking around Jericho over and over again, the Bible said, you're going to walk one time for seven days, all of you around this city. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk seven times. Do you imagine how discouraging that was and how patient they had to be? Like, God, we're walking again and nothing happened. You want me to get up and walk again and nothing happened? You get, want me to walk seven times today? Nothing happened the last seven days. 
See, patience is a faith issue. God, are you going to do what you say? And am I going to prepare and do what God tells me? Are you going to be obedient by faith even when you can't see? And on the seventh day, on the seventh time, the walls came down. Or there was a guy by the name of Naaman in the Old Testament. And God said, I'm going to heal your body of your leprosy. But you need to dip in the Jordan seven times. One time, he gets up out of the water, nothing happened. Twice. Third time, he's still the same. Sixth time, he's still the same. At any point, if he gives up and gets frustrated and just goes away, you know, impatiently, he would have been unhealed. I think there is a great lesson here in patience, trusting in God, saying, God, you are in control. You are going to show up. You are going to work. All of these things are in your hand. I'm going to trust you for the answer and not give up and persist. And if you'll do that, and if you'll keep working forward, and you'll establish your heart that God is in control, and realize that perfect love will cast out fear, that God is merciful, and he's compassionate, he'll do something in you that everybody will look and see that there is a person that God is in control of, and you will rise above every uncontrollable situation, every unchangeable person, and every unexplainable problem that you face. This is God's word to you today. Do you receive that this morning? All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this challenging word that patience is really a faith issue. Do we trust you? And so, Lord, I want to pray for every person in this room today who right now has an uncontrollable circumstance in their life. It might be a job, a boss. It might be a cancer. It might be a sickness in their body. It might be a child that will not listen, an an unchangeable person or just some problem that they can't explain. Will you just say to God right now, God, will you help me? God, I want to trust you. Give me the faith to prepare for you while I'm waiting. Lord, help me not to grumble and complain and to throw people under the bus. Yes, God, that's me. God, help me not to take this out on people around me and curse and swear. God, I just want to trust you today. Lord, you're coming back. You're going to make things right. So, Lord, help me to live in the light that you're going to make things right, that you'll settle the score. Help me to stop worrying about the uncontrollable. So why don't you open up your heart today and say, Lord God, even though I don't understand it all, I will put my trust in you. I establish my heart in you today. Because when he controls your life, he'll give you the gift of patience, the fruit of that Holy Spirit in your life. Yes, God, that's me. Thank you, God, that you are in control today over every circumstance, situation, and person. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for listening today. Keep coming back. One more week in James. Wasn't that an awesome message? Just fire you guys up today.